0: Welcome back. Looks like some people are gluttons for punishment. It's okay. <laughs> today is the, probably the most offensive presentation of the fall. Lah. So if you can tahan, then it's okay. Um, right, today we are going to talk about the church. So let's pray. Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you again for bringing us here. We pray for those who are on their way. Now we commit this time to you, submitting our hearts and minds so that we may be able to be taught by your Spirit, who is our teacher and guide. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, Uh, i say it's most offensive because from a biblical perspective, uh, nothing of what we do in the church today is in the Bible. Uh, You you look, 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 you can't find. Because the Bible (laughs) describes something totally different. There's no worship service. In the Bible, there's no such thing as worship service. The closest thing is the synagogue. But that is uh, pre-Christian. You want to find what the oldest, oldest service looks like? Uh, you can go to uh, Syrian Orthodox or Matoma Church in Singapore. Or if you are in Egypt, somehow, you go to the Coptic Church. They claim that their services date back to the 2nd century. Uh, but what I warn you, uh, Syrian Orthodox and Matoma Church, uh, you, their full-blown service 3 hours. Uh, then you stand Time uh. stand. Uh, I think you only sit for maybe seven old people can sit. Uh. They give chance, then got incense and everything. And they claim the heritage is from right back to uh, second century or even before. Uh. Because Matoma Church uh, is actually from India. You know, the we are told Thomas went to India to found the church, that's where he was martyred, and that church claims. That uh, heritage. The Syrian Church is even older, and the Coptic churches in Egypt. Uh, the lesser, the other one that is, like from the Eastern Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Greek churches, they would probably claim um, at least from 11th century. That's when they split. Okay, so these are the old, old, and you can see how much different they are. Uh, I think if you can tahan one Syrian Orthodox service, you're very good already. And they have the same service every time. No change. The main focus of the service is the Eucharist, or what we call Holy Communion. Not the sermon. Sermon is a 15 minutes. Just, da, 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 you listen. But the, the highlight is the Eucharist. So it's totally differently structured. Okay? So, uh, what we have now is not really in the Bible. Sorry. yeah, uh. uh, Church building. Is not in the Bible. I'll tell you why later. Uh, the pastor ordained clergy, yeah? not in Bible. Bible got no ordination, no clergy. We are all extra biblical. <laughs> <laughs> and the word sermon is not in the Bible. Promise you. Then you ask me, Eh, but I got sermon on the mount, yeah. But that's the title we give to that portion, ah. Yeah. It's not in the Bible as well. There's no word for sermon in the Bible. So for us, uh, the most important thing for our service, which uh, for us, you know, we come for the sermon, we want to learn and all that, it's not in the Bible. Terrible, (laughs) If Jesus were to come, uh, I don't know how happy he would be, the way we do church. But this is the whole point of trying to do this series, educate. So... um. To me, the worst, worst thing that the church has ever done probably is the Crusades. But ranking near it uh, is to call the church building the house of God. Okay, One of the worst things the church has ever done is to call the church building this, the house of God. Or this sanctuary, the house of God. As if God specially lives here. Uh, So um, for five years I didn't say anything lah. But uh, many of our worship leaders are taught to say, let us be seated in the presence of the Lord. I don't know where I come from, No, not in Bible, No, that was <laughs> Okay, but and, 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 uh, since I'm on the roll, uh, uh, anyway, I'm recorded. La. Um, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, not prayers, uh, because the yeah, here our prayer. That's the we copy Anglican. Ah, you Anglican will never say here our prayers. Ah, the Book of Common Prayer is hear our prayer. Just in case, ah, you want to be right, ah. or you want to follow everybody. I don't know who taught you guys that lah, but now I just tell you guys. <laughs> yeah, you ask Colin C, he'll know ah, because he formerly Anglican. Uh, he also acknowledges this. Okay, where does where do we get the idea? by the way the again uh, the scriptures are separate. Where do we get the idea that uh, the 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 church is god 's house so i can 't blame because in the Old testament uh, for example, uh, the temple is referred to as the house of the lord yeah psalm one twenty two I was glad when they said to me, "Let us go to the house of the Lord this is referring to the temple Haggai. Uh, This is uh, after the destruction of the temple and restoration. uh, God even says, you know, um, because my house lies in ruins and each of you busies himself with his own house. This is God's rebuke to the people who delayed in rebuilding the temple. So God himself calls the temple uh, his house. Okay? Uh, then Second Chronicles uh, two six. Uh, there already is already a change in Buddha in in some of the understanding. Who is able to build him a house? Since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him, and who am I to build a house for him, except as a place to make offerings before him? Already you see in Chronicles so early. The understanding that no human building can contain God. So the temple's, the starting of the temple is just to go and do offering as an expression of our reverence and worship to God. It's not the emphasis of God lives there or God's dwelling place. And in the New Testament it becomes very clear. In Acts 7.48 uh, and 17.24 says, yet the most high does not dwell in houses made by hands. Prophet says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men. And Isaiah 66 is the reference. The prophet says, and that that is the reference to Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? So, already... Uh, God seems, cannot make up his mind, but never mind. Uh, we just take the Bible material. What important we are saying is what the Bible says, right? God is already saying, you think your temple can contain me? Uh? So, when, in my understanding, when Haggai uh, says, my house lies in ruins, does not mean uh, that God lives there. When God is saying, it does not mean that God is there. It's the house you have built for me, uh, whatever, to make your sacrifices, it lies in ruins. But God does not say that is where I live because he already very clear in Isaiah says, heaven uh, is my throne. Not even the home. Huh? It's only that heaven is the throne only. So you can see the analogies uh, urge us to have a bigger view of where God dwells. So in the New Testament, it shifts entirely the paradigm of God's dwelling place. Okay, God's dwelling place. Even so, uh, God's dwelling place is not a good way to referring. It's not God's dwelling place. It's God's dwelling. Okay, there's a bit difference. God's dwelling place tends to uh, refer to a locality, but God's dwelling is somehow where, in inverted commas. God lives. So if you look at Ephesians, for example, a very famous passage, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in Him you are also being built together as a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. So, can you see the movement here? The temple is who? Uh, You look down, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells in you? By the way, it's plural. Not individual. It's plural. In all of us, God's Spirit dwells. So you can see that God's dwelling is changing from Uh, and so the temple is not a physical temple the temple to cut it very quickly is God's people alright we are God's family God's household but most importantly we are God's people and God's people is in inverted commas where God dwells and this in Revelation 21 3 uh, this is the end of the Bible and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling of God, actually, the word "place" probably is not a good uh, is translated. I, I tell you, uh, English translators of the Bible sometimes exasperate me because they are so distorting. But never mind. Okay, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, uh, human beings. Huh? ladies, don't get angry. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and He Himself will be their God. Dwelling place actually is the Greek word that is. Also translated for the Old Testament as tabernacle, God's tabernacle is with people. God tabernacled Himself, and tabernacle in the Old Testament is God's presence. Okay, so God's presence is His people. I once preached a sermon: What does God get out of this? Do you ever? wonder. You know, after all human history, what does God want in the end? What does he want for himself? Actually, the Bible seems to yeah, God. He wants he he wants a people. In the end, behold, the tabernacle of God is with man. They will be His people, and He will be their God. That's the end of the Bible. I'm not making this up. Okay, you may think he wants fireworks, glory, and everything. But God wants a people. That's. Uh, <sighs> Okay. I, I, I never want to refer to the heart of God because I don't know whether God really got a heart, like whatever, okay, metaphorically even or literally. But anyway, right somewhere in God there is this place for what he calls his people. And that's what he's going to come for in the end. Other uh, hints are that Jesus comes for the bride. The bridegroom comes for the bride to present himself pure and unblemished. Okay, So all this means that uh, in the end, God uh, wants a people. So how did we come to this place then, where we are now, where we are doing all these kind of things that are not in the Bible? Okay, and how come, okay, let me see, Church is a very bad translation of the original word. The original word is ecclesia. Ecclesia. Ek out, klesia, call. Call out. So, the word that's translated church literally means, and this one you better write down, don't, don't trust your memory, the called out ones. That's literal. So, the meaning of the called out ones is probably better translated assembly or congregation. Okay? So, nothing to do with building. Okay, It's people coming together, called by God. So, uh, this brings to mind second piece. For you are a chosen people, called out of darkness, into God's marvelous light. So that's the church, the called out ones. So how did this word church come about? Uh, okay, I'm telling you one version, and this is the version I believe. Lah. There may be other versions. The word church actually comes from a word "kirk," uh, which you trace the origin, go back to German, go back to Greek. But it means the house of a Lord. The actual house of the Lord. And therefore, that's how we come to get the meaning, church is a building. When it was never meant to be that in the first place. So to me, the word church is a bad translation, but can't help it. Already so many hundreds of years, uh, we cannot go back. But I'm appealing to you, when you hear the word church in the bible it is not the building never the building it is people the called out ones that's the first big lesson for today okay the church is people not the building not the organization not the denomination it's always been people according to what the Bible says. Uh, just as a bonus, the church, <laughs> okay, there are many ways to look at the church. There's, uh, now of course, and I use the word, I can't help you, I to use the word church, like, you know, I can't give you another quote for church, right? So, when you talk about ch- the church in the Bible, or the, when we look at the word church, there are many, many layers of meaning. Okay, there's church like us, uh, But there's also what the theologians call the universal church. That means, um, in theological terms, the saints or the God's people who were and are and even yet to be. This is the spiritual entity or reality of all God's people in time and history. Okay, But, the church also is not only in the natural world. We think physical church is physical, the people are also natural world, but the church has a cosmic role. The church has an existence in the spiritual realm. So if you look at Ephesians um, 3, 10-11, Paul writes that, So that through the church, ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying here that the church not only witnesses on earth in the physical realm, the church has a place in witnessing to the spiritual realm. That is what heavenly places means in the Bible. Now this is something yeah, too wonderful, my very hard to wrap our minds around it. But this is what the Bible tells us. That means how the church operates speaks to the spiritual forces in God's creation, whatever that may be like. Um, I don't really fully understand it, but my duty is to tell you. Okay? So, uh, whatever you do affects not only people around you or the physical world, but also the spiritual realm. Believe it or not. Right? That's how the church operates. Okay, that was just the bonus. Now, what are the metaphors in the Bible used to describe the church? Of course, we have talked about God's people. You've seen it in the the, the scripture. God's family or household. God's building or temple. Not the physical building, but uh, you know, God's temple. Uh, there is the uh, implication that the God's people are also God's army. Uh, Put on the whole armor of God. There's a whole another section where we have a lot of wrong teaching, but never mind. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, And uh, so army. Uh, Sorry, there are some mistakes. Here's another one. It's not pride bride. But I suppose pride also can. Bride. Okay, the bride of Christ. But um, you must know that by Christ is only in the future. Okay? So, uh, just to let you know, it's a bit another uh, biblical trivia. As Christians, we are all actually sons of God. Sometimes referred to children, but mostly as sons of God. Because in the Bible, only the sons receive the inheritance, the daughters get what? Nothing. <laughs> Zip nada. Okay? But, um, so God is very fair. Though now all of us should be sons of God, when Jesus returns, um, the church becomes the bride of Christ. So, all these uh, arrogant males who think, you know, so good, all sons of God, in the end, we become the bride of Christ. So God's fair. Don't say it's not fair. okay? He's very fair. Uh, But the major metaphor for the church in the Bible is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. So we need to ask ourselves first of all why is the church called the body of Christ? I think God should actually have employed some Better people in his marketing department. Have you asked, wonder why, um, for example, uh, Song Solomon, the ap- I mean the Old Testament, the apple of, uh, why don't call the church the apple of God? Very good, uh, the apple of the eye. Or for more military, uh, why don't we call it the, the, the spear of God or the lance of God? I would like better the chariot. The church is the chariot of God. How about that? Uh, like Maserati, chariot of God. <laughs> Why do you think it is not called that? Why is the church called the body of Christ? Uh, that's only one reason. Uh, but I think I try and tell you what the other reasons are. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, do I need to prove to you it's called body of Christ? Uh, okay, uh, Colossians one eighteen. Where is that? One eighteen. As he is the head of the body, as you said, uh, he is the beginning, the firstborn. That it, everything might be preeminent. For uh, Romans twelve. For as in one body, where many members, the members do not all have the same function. Though we are many, one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. One Corinthians twelve twenty seven. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Okay, before I tell you why Church is Body of Christ, let me bring you through John 2.21. Uh, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then I like to introduce ridiculous scriptures. So I'm going to do two right now. Last session I did this with you close scripture. Separate Jesus Christ, make Christ holy in your heart, right? Sanctify, make holy, separate Christ in your heart. If you don't remember what I was saying, never mind. Go and listen. It's on the whatever the, our church website, right? What it means to separate Christ in your heart. One Corinthians twelve twelve says, "For just as the body is one and has many members." And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. This is a very stupid scripture. Don't worry, God won't strike me down. Don't worry. you. you. Even if you are in the vicinity, his, I hope his aim is good. Lah. If he wants to hit me, I hope you don't get collateral damage. <coughs> Any theologian will tell you that it should not be, so it is with Christ. Because it's insulting to Christ. It should be, so it is with the church. The church is one body, and each body has many members. And though every all are members, they are still members of one body, so it is with the church. But what does it say here? So it is with Christ. You know what I'm saying now? Christ has many members. I thought you said Christ is the head of the church. No. Uh? <laughs> Christ has many members. Okay, uh? file that first. Then even worse, 1 Corinthians 12, 20, 21. Uh, As there are many parts, yet one body, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head said to the feet, I have no need of you. Now who's the head again? Uh, Jesus Christ, the head, right? The head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. Another insult to Jesus. Isn't it? How can you tell Jesus? Jesus says, uh, he, I thought Jesus can do anything, self-sufficient, don't need us, but in the end, He's God, right? How come the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you? Can you see the problem in these two verses theologically? Uh, but the Bible don't care about theology in some sense. Ah, huh? it just cares about the truth. And so, bringing it together, <laughs> let me just try and explain why this is. I think the church is called the body of Christ because the task of the church, first of all, is to continue the work of Jesus. Okay. Second important point: the task of the church is to continue the work of Jesus. That is called the body of Christ. Of course, Christ then is the head. Did you get that one? Uh, the reason is primarily because the church is to continue the work. When Christ was in earth, on the earth physically, he was limited to a certain time and a certain place. But John says, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. The work that I do, greater work shall you do. Now, the greater work cannot mean that our miracles are more spectacular like Jesus. Like Jesus raised one from the dead, we can raise 25,000 from the dead. Greater work shall you do. I believe the word greater there means it is multiplied. And how is it Multiplied. Because of the existence of the body of Christ in different parts all over the world continuing the work of Jesus. Make sense or not? I think so, ah. Huh? And therefore, when the Church of Jesus Christ, Church Ecclesia, not Iswana, operates properly as the body of Christ, wherever it is found, it is the official representative of Jesus Christ to the world, continuing his work. Okay? But how is this done? Um, I also need to say that the church is called Body of Christ because um, number one, carry on with Christ. Secondly, is the nature of the church. It is organic. Organic, Um, it is an organism, it is made up of many parts, and it operates through spiritual gifts. This one is quite clear in 1 Corinthians 12 13 14. Did you hear that? Okay, second reason to give the idea or the reality that the church is a spiritual organism, body of Christ that operates through spiritual gifts and the many parts of the body. Because, jump to point five, what does the Bible mean by the word member? So we are all so used to the church as a human institution that the moment we read in the Bible, member means like member of the church. Uh, member of Angmokyo Methodist Church. But you know that's not the meaning because last time got no membership, lah. Don't have register, don't have whatever, you know. The word member is body part. So the emphasis in the Bible about we being members of one another, members of the body of Christ, they are not meaning members of the human organization. But the body part as a vital uh, component of the spiritual organism that is called the body of Christ. And this body Christ represents Jesus and carries out his work in the world. Alright, so bear this human institution thing uh, again, is going to come back. How do we represent Christ? I think there are two ways. There's a part of the church that, to me, gives a horrible, heretical, wrong teaching that all of us are mini-Jesus Christ. There's teaching like that, you know, because Holy Spirit is in us, we are Christians, uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, individual rather than plural. All of us are little Jesus running around in the world. Whatever Jesus could do, we also can do if we only believe. There are people that actually preach that. I think that's heresy. Because it then doesn't understand why the church is the body of Christ. If all the little Christians can be replicas of Jesus, ah, better, big, small, whatever, quality control, I don't know, um, why do you need the body of Christ? Because all of them can just spread out and go wherever, and then, you know, you've got a million Jesus. <laughs> now you know why how ridiculous that, that teaching is, right? There's only one Jesus, but the church is the body of Christ. So, how do we become, but then we also preach, we want to become, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, Ah, to be like Him. Good prayer, right? But does that make you a little Jesus? Uh Aha, what are you praying? Alright, what can we as individual Christians represent of Christ? I think we can represent the Christ likeness, the character of Christ, and which uh, hopefully in the next two sessions you will also learn. It is basically described in the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? The Christ likeness, uh, the character of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we can represent. Love, joy, peace, etc., etc., etc. Okay? And I think in all Christians that should be found. You agree? But, the whole ministry of Christ, including, um, evangelism and healing and, uh, good works, reaching the poor, that, I think the task is for the whole body of Christ, which no single Christian can completely do. You understand the difference I'm making here? Okay? For individual Christian, there's a limit, and that's Christ-likeness. But the other parts, so as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus went about preaching and healing the sick and reaching out to the poor. That is the task for the body of Christ. And that can be replicated by the various churches, ecclesia, called out people who are the body of Christ, wherever they may be found. And I think this is God's plan. And this is why Ephesians says when the church does this, it witnesses even to the spiritual forces in the spiritual realm about the wisdom of God. A very good plan, actually. Except that we don't follow. So sometimes we fail in the cosmic function. Okay? You follow me up to now? Okay. <laughs> you never hear this become a thing before, right? Mm-hmm. Have you? Have, have you? I don't know. Very hard to preach from the pulpit like this. Because everybody will be confused. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to do this kind of session where there's time to explain a bit more. Alright? Now, so the, the the body of Christ works like a spiritual organism. Huh? Not an organization. Before I go, why do we have organization, the, spiritual, uh, the human institution? Well, uh, because we are people. No matter where we start, we would have evolved through the many uh, years like this. There are many churches that want to go back to the New Testament church, you know, do it like the Book of Acts, but after some time, they all become the same. You go and look. Either that or they die. Because we are human beings and we are people, this evolution into the human situation is inevitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I'm not saying the human organization is wrong, ah. Uh, then I'll later I'll tell you what we should do to hold it together, to be true to both. The human institution is inevitable because it began from uh, Acts chapter 6. That's how we got deacons. You know how we got deacons? Because of a fight. Uh, you don't think the New Testament church never fought? They fought. Acts 6 already, they fought. And because they fought... <laughs> we got deacons. Okay? And uh, we have the beginnings of the human organization already. But we hope to be able to see what the difference is. Okay, next. How then should the church operate? Um, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 says there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Um, it actually goes on to say, uh, there are different kinds of gifts but the same law, different kinds of ministries and different kinds of operations. Uh, I think I missed out one verse. You see, when you get 64 years old, sometimes things fall out. <laughs> I look, I look. Let me, I think I missed out verse 5. Let me read for you. Okay. <laughs> I should be 5, 4, 5, 6. Alright, Am I read for you, I read for you. Okay. If you got your Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 5, 6, uh, so to speak. Okay. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation Spirit for the common good. So here they use uh, gifts, vari- service, and activities. Gifts, service, and activities. But I can give you the original word. Okay, gifts. The original word is charismata, which means gifts. Uh, yeah? Diakonia diaconia is service. Uh, diaconia also is a root word for deacon and uh, yeah, minister minister. So but okay that's too complicated for me to go on a rant. Then the activities is energema, from which the root we get energy. So that can be translated, I suppose activities, operations, workings or uh effects. So it's quite a uh, flexible word. So let me try and explain what one Corinthians Twelve. This portion is trying to say, and how the body of Christ should work. Now, this may be in particular reference to the gifts of the Spirit referred to 1 Corinthians 12, or the manifestations of the Spirit, but I think a principle can be established that uh, helps us to understand uh, the other gifts as well. But never mind. Okay, let's look. Example in evangelism, or reaching out to bring the good news. Bearing in mind what I said about the gospel of the kingdom, huh? but this evangelism is uh, to also uh, bring the good news to those who have yet to know Christ. Say so We use the word evangelism in its modern and our accepted sense. So, the three words, gifts, service, and effects. The ministry is the good news evangelism the effect is to bring people into the kingdom and the gifts that are required could be the evangelist prophecy faith wisdom knowledge etc just like uh, anthony preached uh on sunday sent with signs okay so this if you wanted to see uh this kind of evangelism bringing the good news to all over the world, uh, in its truest biblical ideal, then it would be the effect of conversion, but the coming together within the body of Christ, the people of God, the various gifts that contribute to bringing the good news. Evangelists, prophets and prophecy, where God's word is spoken or proclaimed or communicated Uh, The gift of faith, the gift of wisdom and knowledge. Sometimes you can see this in the book of Acts where um, there is a recognition, there is a realization of some need in the persons being reached. And because of that, um, that person is convicted by God and becomes part of the kingdom. All right? Then, if you look at, uh, let's say, another. Let's look at the the ministry of healing. Okay, ministry of healing. The effect people are healed, but um, the gifts that are required are faith, knowledge, healing, even comfort and miracles. So this is bringing together all the different parts, the different members, the different giftings within the body of Christ, to a particular service or ministry with a desired end or effect or working. Teaching right now, teaching, uh, ministry, the effect would be hopefully uh, discipleship and Christian maturity, but uh, giftings would be teacher. And the teaching ministry, wisdom, and the Ministry of Service. All these gifts are listed um, in uh, three parts of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12-14, to Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. This gives the whole uh, list, if you like, of spiritual gifts. I uh, hope to deal with this a bit more on the session of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but Uh, This is how body of Christ is supposed to work. All the ministry of caring. Um, Caring for the sick, caring for the poor, the effect people are helped and cared for, what are the gifts required, the pastor or the shepherd, the gift of encouragement, the gift of serving, the gift of giving, the gift of helps. All these working together, do you understand what I'm trying to communicate? There are different gifts coming together, For a cause or working, that is the service, and the effect or the result then uh, happens. Because not just people doing what they like, but actually serving with their spiritual gifts. Bringing about the ministry of the body of Christ. This is the ideal. eh? We talk about ideal and norm. Okay, this is the ideal, and sometimes this happens by accidents, but in the human institution of the church, it's not, it doesn't often work like this, because we organize everything and we don't think of it in these terms. I'm going to lead you to a conclusion later that hopefully you will think in these terms as you serve in Amwokyo Church. All right, so I'm going to give you, I'm giving you an idea about how the body of Christ should operate, um, because in one Corinthians twelve one, uh, most people think that, again, it's a bad translation. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, one Corinthians twelve one, I do not want you to be uninformed, and people think that the word there is spiritual gifts, but actually it is not. The word in 1 Corinthians 12 is Pneumatikon, which means spirituals, not charismata, which means gifts. So when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about this, he's not talking particularly about spiritual gifts. Paul is saying concerning spiritual things, I don't want you to be ignorant. Then he begins to describe the whole operation of the body of Christ, with love as a parenthesis uh, in between, in one Corinthians thirteen, and uh, giving them an idea of how the church should work. In one Corinthians fourteen, he says, "When the church works like this, everyone comes together. One has a song. One has a one has a scripture. One has a hymn. One has a teaching." Um people who come and they hear what the Spirit is saying, they are convicted in their heart and they surely God is you is present in the place. God is present in the people who are meeting. You get the picture here. When the body of Christ meets together and operates like it should, and each one does its own contribution, people come in, they recognize the presence of God or the presence of Christ. That's the ideal. okay. That's why then the church then becomes the body of Christ that continues his work in the world. Number three point. Did you get that one? Right. When all of it is working properly, people who come from outside come here and uh, they say, God must be among you. Because that's how the spirit is working. Through the body of Christ. Through spiritual gifts and the body of Christ working properly. Um, So before I go on a critique about why this is not working today, (laughs) let me uh, introduce you to a verse of what we all are supposed to do, a section, Ephesians 4. This is the, besides 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, this is the other list of gifts, and this time, gifts are not, uh, like abilities, but people. Okay? Uh, he gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried About by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness or deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into the church, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We also. But, if you look at the original language, it's very beautiful, you know. Paul uh, can never be accused of being poetic. He's a straight talker. Man. But this part uh, is almost like poetry in the original Greek. Because it, this is the ideal. Okay? When everything is working properly, when each part does its work, everybody grows up together into maturity in Christ. Because the body then builds itself in love, and the body Christ builds, then people can see uh, Jesus in the church as it is meant to be, and you will not have people. Uh, maybe unkind to say that In some times in the church, people are not like headless chicken, you know, uh, trying to serve and please God, but actually without direction, without uh, any coherence uh, as the church is meant to be. This is the ideal. How far, how, how near are we to it? I don't know. La. I think in 36 years I not so near. La. <laughs> I don't know whether you agree or not but I think not so near. I, I, hard to see this. Huh? Hard to see this. But this is what we are supposed to aim at. Can I accept that now not? This is supposed to be our aim. Ah. Whether we can get there, I don't know. But, okay, what's the real problem? The real problem is, the church is simultaneously a spiritual organism as described in the Bible, the ecclesia, but the church is also a human institution. An organization that we know as Methodist, as whatever. Okay? While in the New Testament in Acts, it was quite clear that the human organization was supposed to serve the spiritual organism. That means anything you organize would only be accepted as long as it enhanced the value or had value to the functioning of the spiritual organism. Which is why Paul is so clear about how the church ought to work, at least in places like Romans and Ephesians and uh, One Corinthians. The problem is in our day, the human institution institution has all but suppressed and obliterated the spiritual organism. People, we, and I'm not saying easy. I, as pastor, and conscious fully of this. find it so difficult because in our time the institution has almost obliterated any consciousness of the spiritual organism oh yeah by the way in case you want <laughs> i just recommend two books ah huh? one is very dangerous huh? i think this one only if you think you get hacked and you just it's called pagan christianity it uh, traces uh, pagan origins of many things happening in the church for example, like the sermon. There's a suggestion here that the sermon is actually pagan in origin. Believe it or not. Now, I have no problem in the church Christianizing pagan stuff. Right? That means adopting and making it Christian. For example, Easter and Christmas, as so far as we know, are originally pagan festivals. But the church used them and you came up with very Christian things like right? Easter. Resurrection of God and Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, so I got no problem with that. I think we should Christianize as much as we can, but there are also, we also must be cognizant that they are of non-Christian origin. Okay, the other book that is one of my favorite all time, it's called *The Community of the King*. Probably out of print. The Community of the King by this guy called Howard Snyder. Howard Snyder. I met him in person. He's a brilliant author. And the remarkable thing about this book is that I felt I could have written the seven first seven chapters also. I agreed so much with him in uh, how he looks at the church with his emphasis on the church as a spiritual organism. He helped me also, make concrete my understanding of church and how church should be. Okay, so in case you are interested, you can always uh, nowadays can buy second-hand books from all over the place, right? So if you Google hard enough, you probably may be able to get that. So the church is spiritual organism as well as human institution, and while. From a biblical point of view, human institution is inevitable. It should serve the reality of the body of Christ. But nowadays, the way we do church, in fact, the the place where the body of Christ and the spiritual giftings is least uh, found, actually, is in the church service. In case you don't know. A few fellas up there, one guy talking, and the rest all sitting down listening like this. ah. Not supposed to be... (laughs) But that's the human institution. Okay? That doesn't mean you can you got nothing better, okay? So you <laughs> just accept it and I'm going to give you a suggestion, a formula. Maybe uh, you can uh, bring the two together. So what's the difference between the organism and the institution? Um... So, I put it here, the servant leader, the clergy and ordination is the institution, organism is the servant leader. Uh, The organism has spiritual gifts, but the institution has officials. The office is by giftings in the organism, but churches have committees and hierarchies. You look at the words, deacons, elders, bishops, presbyters, and all that, What we have today is nothing. What the is the words in the Bible all don't describe anything we have today. Okay, the word that is translated bishops in the Bible is not the bishop that we see today. Nothing to do with it. Okay, now pastor also um, pastor just means shepherd. That's all. There's no reverend. Yeah. Rev only means revolutions, like car, one, but nothing to do with people. Do you want to know how the church is structured? Basically, where's where's the origin of the church structure? The Roman Empire. Do you know that <clears throat> the Catholic Church in Rome and the Orthodox Church, where they split 11th century, by that time both had been structured according to the Roman Empire. Um, in the Roman Church, the Pope is em- emperor. The cardinal senate, and part of the Roman army, and all that. That's why, um, in Catholic understanding, the the priests are all actually part of the army. Yeah, of God. Now, before you think that we are safe, where do you think we came from? Where did Methodists come from? Anglican, right? Anglican, no, Anglican, Anglican, Anglican Church. Where did Anglican Church come from? Huh? Catholic Church. How did Anglican Church come up? Henry VIII want to divorce all his wives, kill them, whatever. But Pope say cannot. So he said, "You say cannot? Yeah, I become, I, I, I separate, and I become head of the church here." So when Henry VIII separated and created Anglican Church it was the Roman Catholic Church except in name and besides the Pope he became the head of the church exactly the same the hierarchy exactly the same and guess where we came from Anglican Church so the the, the hierarchical structure has been transmitted down to us how biblical is our uh, organization structure I don't know lah we strive, but I think um, in our church the, the human institution is so predominant, whether you like it or not. Now, has it got to be? In some senses yes. We know we do not know any better way. Like I said, any other churches who think like this and say, cannot, cannot we go back to the original. So they can start like the original but in the end they become the same. It's inevitable. Okay, Church history proves it again and again and again. So don't need to try. Okay, So don't know if you think, God has spoken to me, I better start my own church, poop it on the biblical model. It's only a matter of time. But you'll become the same. <laughs> you can read church history. Uh, the more things change, the more they remain the same, as they say. Okay, So no point in trying. The better understanding, or the better way, is within the human institution that we recognize and have to operate under, because we are people, we operate with the mindset of the spiritual organism. I mean, this is the last lesson that you need to try and do. Within the institution, we can still operate with the reality and mindset of the spiritual organism, the body of Christ. Okay, I give you myself as the first good-bad example. I'm call by God to full-time ministry. Okay, But um, I think full-time ministry is in the Bible. Uh, separate to me, Paul and Barnabas, to the work I've called them. Okay, But if I want to answer that call and if I'm convinced I'm called to the ministry, I've got no choice. I must become part of the Organization, or else I got to start my own church, which again I say is useless because we all, yeah, okay. You, I don't have to, go, I have to go. I got to do within the Methodist Church to answer the call. So I become an ordained clergy, even though there's no ordination, uh, to do the work so that I can answer the call. And in the in the process, hopefully, uh, operate as best as I can within the framework of the body of Christ. And also help people to do the same. Very, very difficult. And in many ways, I have failed. Uh, people look at my Methodist ministry and say, What, well, you're quite okay, what? Well, you know, you've got all these things. Yeah, but that's the human institution part. La. The part that really is precious to me, the treasure, the organism part. Ah, oh, yeah. Very chalala. But I've tried my best um, because. My giftings are in the terms of leadership and administration and teaching. So I've tried my best within the context of the Methodist Church to apply the gifts of leadership and administration and also teaching. And teaching, bearing in mind, I'm always preaching the gospel of the kingdom, uh, even when I do my sermons. Uh, I'm not a preacher in the most ordinary sense of the word because I don't quite believe in that but I do share what I think Bible says from the pulpit and try and uh, help people along the way in their discipleship Okay, Um, how do I put it Uh, I don't have really give a pastor I'm not the shepherd kind Okay, but I don't have to be you know why? Because other people are. (laughs) I don't have to be Jesus. And I don't have to try and save the world. Jesus already saved the world. I don't have to try to be God's gift to the church. I don't have to try to save the world. Jesus already saved the world. He has set up the body of Christ. I just need to be faithful to my part in it. And that part is answer full-time, be teacher, leadership administration, and uh, doing my best as an ordained clergy. Served my time 36 years, then already can. So now, I'm free to teach all these subversive things (laughs) that I could not do before uh, in the fullest sense of the word. How about you? Alright. Please get over the idea, for example, that because you attend church service, uh, you're worshipping God. And that's the only way it can be done. Anyone here usher? asha When you are ushering, when you are ushering, you are worshipping God, according to the Bible. The Bible has two words for worship. One is to be prostrate, that means to bow before the presence of something greater. The other one is service. So the people who sing choir, the people who prepare Holy Communion, the people who do flowers, uh, the people who... Um, Kapak, I mean the the warden who nobody listens to, uh, because now we need professionals, uh, people who count money. uh, Everything, when you do that, you are worshipping. So, while in the institution, it sort of limits you to the idea that attending worship service is worshipping God, which is the weakest and narrowest definition of worship, The true biblical understanding is, whatever you do as part of it, is your worship to God. If you intercede, that's your service and worship to God. Small group ministry. Okay. Um, Can I, I don't need to ask how many small groups, right? Most of you are, right? Okay. Small group ministry is the best place to operate body of Christ. Because within small groups, there are gifts of administration and leadership. There are also pastors and teachers. Some are very good in uh, shepherding. There are gifts of hospitality. There are gift of health. Uh, arrange the chairs. Arrange the chairs also is part of worship. Part of giftings within the body of Christ. Praying for people, uh, being hospitable, uh, caring, giving is part of the body of Christ. None of you want to claim the gift of giving. I know, but some of you may have it. Just a matter of recognize it. So, that's one area. Uh, what we do in outreach to the community, all that, although you are part of the organized program of the institution, please, as you do it, try to be conscious of how your gifts are being employed within the body of Christ context. Did you get what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say, you may do and just go along with the institution just volunteer but take a step back and say how is this how am i actually fulfilling my role in the body of christ by what i'm doing within the institutional framework of the church say that again huh when you go through whatever program wses uh, social christianary social concerns missions whatever you do don't just do and say, okay, la, I'm just doing because I'm a Christian and I want to serve. But try and understand it as playing your part as a member of the body of Christ. Serving with the gifts that you have. Now, if you do not know what gifts that you you possess within the list, then I think you, it is your duty to try and find out. And sometimes you may come to realization that what you are volunteering for is not really your gifting. Okay, Which is why I seldom... I only visit hospitals specifically because sometimes I visit people become worse. <laughs> so I don't have that gift. <laughs> Other people can do. Okay, I facilitate so that they can visit. <laughs> it's part of the gifts of leaders. I mean, if you're in hospital, you may not want me to visit you. Ah, huh? just let you know <laughs> <laughs> because that's the truth. Okay, and some of you may think you're very good at hospital, but maybe you're not. Just rethink. Just go and do a survey, uh, uh, audit of your understanding of spiritual gifts so that you can identify the gifts that God has really given to you and operate within those giftings. And I think you will then become and understand your role and part of the body of Christ. So it starts with you in the sense... Understanding your gifts, your role in the body of Christ in the human institution so that the whole body of Christ will work properly as each part does its work and all of us grow into Christian maturity and then understand what the church is meant to be. Not the church as the human institution only, but the church as the called out people of God. The church that is truly what is in the Bible. Understand now? Is that okay? Uh, so, for <laughs> my ministry, most of the time, I've uh, been working towards this, but I think I'm not so good. My marks about 20 or hundred maybe. <clears throat> but this now, there are about 50, 60 people who get a better idea and hopefully with this mindset, there is an enhanced um, value uh, to your ministry at Angwo Church. Uh, as you yourself not only think about church as human institution, but human organism of which you are member, a body part, and that's how you should operate, so that we can fulfill the church's role, one, carrying out the work of Jesus. That's why the head cannot say to the feet, whether that makes you feel good or bad, I don't know. But this is the way uh, the Bible says God has structured it. And Christ has structured it. We are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a member. And we are tasked to carry on his work as a body. Not as little Jesus' but as a body, the body of Christ. Okay? Alright, I'll stop there. Tired already. Uh, any questions? Any feedback? Any violent disagreement? <laughs> Any, you've got to be crazy. Anybody want to leave the church now? What? Just <laughs> also a comment. Sorry if I'm just requesting. The gifts of the spirit. You said the gifts of the spirit. The gifts of the spirit. Everyone has at least one gift now. That's far as I know. Oh no, that no, no, one! Don't 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 pecah lobang lah. Next week, <laughs> next week, uh, the 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 Holy Spirit in the whole plan of God of salvation. Uh, I think you'll be quite surprised as to how important the Holy Spirit actually is in the life of the Christian and in the ministry of the church. It is from the very very beginning, and uh, if you can tahan, you come back lah. Uh, <laughs> then you get more and more guilt heaped on you so that hopefully you will grow in Christian maturity. Okay, anything? I know it's a, I, I went on a long time. Anybody else? Anybody? Three, two, one. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you will continue to help us as we seek to be the body of Christ as uh, you desire us to be. We pray that um, if we have failed you, you will forgive us. But um, we ask that uh, with this knowledge and understanding and consciousness, you will continue to help us to be true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So be with us as we leave this place we your blessing and grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.